All right, guys, welcome back to Surviving Hollywood. I'm Johnny Ray Diaz. I am Aaron Arnold. I am Austin Arnold. And here we are broadcasting from Zoom. Yay! Woo! In the middle of this amazing quarantine, you guys having fun or what? Mm -hmm. Zoom um, works. I think Zoom really works. I actually kind of, I'm kind of digging it. I feel like this is the future where we just might do all our guests like this and never leave my house. Mm. No? I mean, it, we, we can definitely start doing guests, uh, you know, out of state. Well, I'm in the minority then. Anyway, well, today, literally uh, and in this case as well. Hey, early for that. <laughs> um, anyway, we just uh, we didn't really sit down with her. I mean, I guess she was sitting down, but we did a Zoom call with a uh, comedian, actress, uh, Sarah, Sarah Colonna, and uh, we uh, talked about so much stuff. I actually worked with her on Insatiable. We had a scene together um, where I tied her up and I threatened to torture her. Um, yeah, good times. Dreams uh, do come true. Cool, <laughs> she, uh, she was willing to come on and uh, talk to us during the quarantine and she talked a lot about her standup uh, working on uh, Chelsea Handler's show, Chelsea Lately, as a writer. Um, I thought that was the most interesting thing. I thought that was really interesting hearing how she got on Chelsea and how the show evolved and her relationship with on the Chelsea Handler show evolved with it. Right. She started off from just knowing Chelsea just when they were in an improv class together before she was you know, famous and then just like getting to write on her show and being a panelist on her show. It's the dream. And uh, it's funny because you, you mentioned the improv school and I actually feel like I went to that school for like a year and a half. I'm, hmm. I swear it's the one I went to. But well, you couldn't name it. And we spent about 30 <laughs> seconds trying well, to it's figure the it out. LA, the LA Connection, Com LA Connection Comedy Theater. That was the first acting school I went to in LA. I went there for like a year and a half. Sounds like the name of every improv. But it was in it was in Sherman Oaks on Ventura Boulevard, where she said, "I feel like that's the spot, dude." Because all it it was just all anyway. Anyways. Anyway, she was a she was a great guest. I also like talking to her about Bar Rescue. You know what? I'm gonna say it, guys. Guilty pleasure. She Guilty. gives us the scoop about what exactly how how fake or not fake that show is. You know is. Bar Rescue, how produced is it? She gives us the inside story. And uh, she also talked about how she ended up getting the role in Insatiable, how coming off of the writing show, she started working on other different shows and also touring, dude, touring. And then uh, she gets into a heated discussion about who created Chelsea lately, right? <laughs> right. I, uh, well, Wikipedia says that uh, Brody Stevens, who uh, is a beloved comics comic and just unfortunately committed suicide, on Wikipedia, he is solely credited as the creator. Two different spots. And then she said, well, he was the warm-up guy. It was just a little, I don't know. I think Wikipedia has it wrong. He was part of the show, but I don't know if he was creator. Anyways, guys, you ready to get to it? Well, before that, you know what we should do? Johnny, that hot tip you gave us about the casting networks, you should give our audience. Oh, yeah. If, if yeah. they subscribe to this channel, this is why they subscribe. All right, real quick, before, uh, before we, we send it off to, uh, to the pod, so um, I actually just got this from a friend yesterday and I sent the email in to, uh, to get it. But uh, for all the actors out there, if you are trying to save a little bit of money, LA Casting right now is doing a uh, special, if you want to call it, uh, where they're reducing subscription fees by 50% for the next two months. All you have to do is email support at castingnetworks.com. I did it yesterday. They emailed me this morning saying that they're going to drop it in half until June. So, yeah, hey, the money. So when you email support, and I think we'll have it in the description of the YouTube at least, um, 
make sure you tell them you got referred by Surviving Hollywood Podcast. And they'll take 50% off of your feast. <laughs> if you do. All right, let's roll it. Sarah, connecting audio. There we go. There, there we go. go. Hey, Hi. how's it going? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Doing great. Quarantined. Yeah, quarantined. <laughs> Crazy, right? As you yeah. see, uh, that's Austin. That's Aaron. Um, Austin. Hey guys. What's up, Sarah? Hey. How's it going? How's the quarantine life going? I mean, you know, it's fine. It's weird. <laughs> uh we're getting by okay i'm lucky we have like a, a workout space here so that's making a big difference like okay keep you know keep myself from at least not going completely off the rails so that's good <laughs> los angeles or seattle los angeles nice yeah so uh it's good you guys are all in la right that's right yeah, yeah nice so it's so far so good how about you guys you yeah. know, just, just binging TV, you know, <laughs> staying inside. Austin and I are in the same apartment right now, just in different rooms, because we have an apartment together. And then Oh, nice. Johnny's at his place. Why Usually we do this on our kitchen table, but now we're Zooming. Yeah, yeah. We're, all being, we're all being responsible. <laughs> well, uh, well, thank you for, for coming on. Um, so, uh, well, yeah, I mean, this... Uh, this whole thing has obviously been really weird. Um, were you actually working on any shows while this whole thing went down? No, I had wrapped uh, Shameless like in De uh, December, I think. So um, I was just going out. I had some pilot auditions. So that's basically the thing that got taken away from me just now. And then um, uh, stand-up wise, I was touring. I had like four tour dates that all obviously got slashed. Um, so. You know, now just hanging in to see what happens next. <laughs> what about you? Um, no, it's been it's been the same. I mean, obviously, you know, things have all kind of been shut down over here. So it's been uh, it's definitely been weird to like just get up in the morning and be like, well, I'm just gonna <laughs> hit the living room today and uh, <laughs> a so show and watch this movie and catch up uh, on Tiger King. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, we got through that in like a day. Yeah. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you think? Did Carol? Uh, did, did Carol Baskin take care of her husband? A hundred percent. Right in the meat grinder. Definitely. That's, I haven't met yeah. anybody that said says that she didn't. Just because it's no. so obvious. She had everything to gain and now, nothing to on. lose except her husband. Hold on, guys. And she, also, she's a lovely like, yeah, if you were accused of that, you would be like, what the fuck are you talking? Of course I didn't kill my husband in a meat grinder. She was always like, <laughs> they, <laughs> exactly. they, say I, yeah. they say I did this weird thing. And you're like, uh, okay. Yeah. So I feel like her reaction was even psychotic to being accused. They're making a follow-up episode, I hear. I heard that. Is it like present day? Like he's in prison and whatnot? I, I don't know. I think I, it's going to be about like, I don't know, Jeff Lowe maybe? Ah, who oh, knows? Okay. Oh, the other character? Yeah, that, yeah. That was an interesting relationship too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. They were all crazy. Any so other good was, shows? Um, I just we just started Ozark. I'd never watched it before, so we actually just started oh. on season one. And we I watched, love like, Ozark. Five. Yeah, it's so good. We got like I didn't know the premise, so I was like, oh, this is amazing. Um, so we started last night, and we got we got through five episodes already. 
Yeah, Ozark, Ozark is great. The, the girl in there is really good. Uh, Jake Gardner. That young oh, girl. yeah. She's yeah, she's so good. Who? The daughter? Uh, no, she plays the – well, she's the young girl that becomes, like, his assistant. The blonde. The yeah. curly – yeah, she with is the curly really hair. Good. Yeah, she's, she's, she's really, really good on that show. It's crazy. Um, but anyway, well, it's glad – it's cool that you're, you know, taking up time, making it useful, right? I am. I, like, I think I found, like, myself at least one – I even try to spread them out. I'm like, well, I have a Zoom thing Wednesday. Maybe I should make this other one for Thursday. <laughs> like, just try to like have something to like log into and do, you know, yeah. a podcast or interview or whatever. So. And you all, you all, you're also running a podcast too, right? No, no, I'm not. No, no. We, my husband and I were going to start one, and then every time we try to, it's like, well, he's in another. He travels for work, or he goes away for work for like six months. So it's kind of like up and down but we'll figure it out one day what was your podcast going to be about uh we were just going to do like a little bit of he's he plays football and so we were going to do like him talking like me talking sports and him talking entertainment like kind of ah. <laughs> reverse the roles like our takes on on both sides uh so we'll see and then you know most podcasts as, as it is it kind of leads into just sort of a broad topics so you just kind of have to hook Don't people in it. with yeah, yeah, exactly. And they could just hook people in with like, this is what it's about. And then it goes to anything. So that's good. Yeah, I saw he uh, he used to play for the Seahawks, right? Yeah, yeah, for 10 years. Is, is he still playing now or no? Yeah, now he, so he was, he started with Green Bay two years. He was with the Seattle for a decade. And then, you know, uh, much like the entertainment business, they go find a younger, cheaper person to replace you after a while. But hey, he's not complaining, 10 years. Um, and then he was going to go to the Bills, and that was just like a weird situation. And so uh, he didn't end up playing that season, which is still two years ago. And then uh, at the end of that, he was like, well, I could either sit out and wait another season to see if the NFL, you know, if I can get back in. But he's, his theory was like, it's hard enough to get in. So it's even if you've been in for 12 years, it's going to even be harder to get back in because they start looking at you like too expensive or, you know, getting too old, even though he's only 38. But um, so he started to play in the CFL. Playing, playing oh really okay. yeah 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 it was a he's playing for his hometown team which is really cool it's like where he started watching football in the first place so it was kind of like this great sort of story that he couldn't pass out there he was they were like we'd love for you to play with us if you if, they, if you sign with them you're not allowed to play in the nfl until like that season would be over so you're basically committing to like completely leaving the nfl which he was just like fuck it at this point i just want to play football and i know i can there you know that's well, weird. I didn't know that they had the, they would hold you back from playing in the NFL if you were in the CFL. So well, they would Canada. like they would let you like even if he so if he you can but like if you if you finish your season in the CFL because they finish their season usually as June to November. So if that if he had ended like this if he had went like it was basically like oh, they ended the season in the NFL. It's not like he could sign with a team that needed him for the playoffs in December. You have to you have to wait a full season. Like so he could have gone back into that, but once you're out, you're pretty far you know into committing to the cfl so he was like i'm just sticking with it he likes it does yeah that, does that mean you have to be a fan of whatever team he's playing on um i mean i am yeah like it's fun i i you know i wasn't i'm a big sports fan but i didn't have a football team before uh -huh. so um because i grew up in arkansas like we didn't have a pro team so um I, I, I dove into the seahawks pretty hard it was hard not to i mean i was there you know with him for four years but and the fans are a blast and the stadium's a blast. I mean, it's hard not to get caught up in it. Um, and then the, his hometown team in Saskatchewan is 
it's a big it's a big deal there for them. So they have like this beautiful brand new billion dollar stadium. They're like the most popular team probably. And it's it's very much the same vibe as a Seahawk or a gotcha. anyone else, like just the rabid fans. So it's pretty fun. I'm a, I'm a huge Cardinals fan. That's why I asked, but uh, everyone oh, yeah. from Arizona. But, uh, but yeah, so if you're from Arkansas, being from Arkansas, what would be the team that you would root for? Is there uh, right, well, it was college, the Razorbacks. It was all college there. Yeah, but – I mean, but like pro wise, people are Chiefs fans mostly there because it's uh, the closest to get to. Okay. Um, as well as they're for baseball, they're Cardinals fans um, too. So that's it's mostly like the Missouri teams or Kansas City or yeah, or we know whatever. Some people are like Cowboys fans because that's also pretty close. But, yeah, I think mostly for the Midwest, they like the they go for the Chiefs. So uh, did you catch the uh, comedy bug or the acting bug first in, in Arkansas? I guess the acting bug. Um, I was, I wanted to, like, I just always grew up saying I was going to be an actress. Like, I went to the University of Arkansas. I studied theater. Um, that's, like, all I wanted to do. I wanted to do stand-up, too, but I just didn't. There was no place, like, this is, you know, Arkansas in the 90s when I was in college. It's like, I, there was no, in Fayetteville, that we didn't have a comedy club. We didn't have. There's no place for me to do it. So it was more of like, I'd love to do that, but I have no idea how to go about it here. Um, so when I moved to LA, it was basically just like stumbling through open mics and stuff like that. This is a weird place to start stand up for sure. <laughs> like right. every, everyone I know is like, I started stand up in like Chicago or New York and then moved to LA. Like LA is a little bit of a weirder spot to start stand up. Maybe it's a little easier now, but. Um, how, how do you, how do you find the gig? It's, it was just like meeting fellow comics and you know, finding out where they were performing and doing open mics with them and, uh, you know, kind of word of mouth. There was a place called the Westwood Brewing Company that was like the haven of like going up and doing open mics. And we had, I mean, good people would pop in, like Doug Stanhope would do shows there and stuff. So it was, that was really the place that we would all congregate back. Did, did back you go up to Doug Stanhope and did you say anything i love him i yeah i actually worked with him i i got to uh open for him a couple times because he had this this woman that worked at fox like when i first started doing stand-up she was a big fan of his and then she saw me and she liked me so she put us on some talent shows like showcases together uh he's hilarious he's a crazy person i love him when you say when you say it's weird in la what do you mean by that it just, it's hard because you don't, it, it's so spread out. And so it's hard to find kind of a community of standups. And then once you do, it's also, it's the stage time is so limited. Like you're not, um, all the comedy clubs, like all the clubs, the improv, the laugh factory, the comedy store, for the most part, they're all showcase clubs. They're all, you're just going up for a few minutes, especially when you just started. I mean, now obviously there's people that headline at the improv and I have done that now, like, which is awesome. That's where I started and now I get to headline it. But, um, but for the most part, they do, you know, a handful of comics a night rotating. So you only get like to do five or 10 minutes to start out. So it's just hard to build material because you're just trying to build a good enough seven minutes or so, so that when you are in front of people, they can, you can showcase it. Right. But then how do you get to getting 20 minutes, 30 minutes for Like, things like that. So that's why it was a little tricky. I kind of like that as like when I, when I go to the uh, comedy store or whatever, how it's like you get like to see like a bunch of different comics all doing like 10 minutes or whatever. It totally, it's awesome. Like it's great, but if you're starting out, it's sort of like, well, how do I get, you know, 
past this 10 minutes that I have. Because like the pro, you see the people going up at the comedy store, you have like pro headliners that are just up there working out their stuff now, you know? But if you're starting out, it's like, well, how the hell do I get right. even up there and then get the few minutes in? So it's, it was just a lot of open mics and stuff, but it ended up working out. It was just a long road. <laughs> so would you remember? Go ahead. Oh, me or you? No, you can say it. Do you want to go? No, it's okay. I'm just kidding. Uh, I was just going to say, <laughs> uh, the fun of Zooming. Um, I was just going to say, do you remember like the first premise of like the first, the premise of your first bit that you're like, wow, this is really like, I'm proud of this bit. Just like the premise. Um, yes. I mean, I, yeah, one of them. And I think I ended up actually doing this in some kind of a special or something, but um, uh, it was, it was so, it's so dumb now because like, obviously, um, everything's have changed but at the point at the time it was this joke about having like a um when people get duis i mean obviously this is not not nearly as funny a now and b on zoom or <laughs> no we get it club. but uh <laughs> yeah but um that was just for your audience um but uh it was about getting like uh, how you if you got a dui they had to put a device on your phone on your car to keep you from driving you know like that and um and i had like, this really really yeah, I had this really dumb joke about how like I wish they could put that one of those on my phone for when I made drunk phone calls because I, in my uh, early twenties, made a lot of drunk phone calls. So well, that yeah. was my first. Still bit. a good, still still relatable. Yeah. It's still relatable for sure. Like you would have to just say maybe texting because nobody makes phone calls anymore. But right. uh, yeah, I mean, I was you know early twenties. It was just one of those perfect jokes for that. So when you, when you first moved out here, you said you were, at the, it was the acting bug that you caught first. What Were you doing the acting stuff and the comedy at the same time down here? Yeah, I mean, basically when I moved out here, um, you know, I, I just started taking acting classes, did the normal kind of shit that you try to, try to do and figure out. Um, and my first work was probably like most people in commercials, you know, so I got stumbled around until I got a commercial agent. But I think what I figured out about stand-up like another reason I wanted to pursue it was a I, I I just felt so mixed in as just another person who moved here to try to act you know with nothing else under my belt other than a degree from the University of Arkansas which doesn't do anything for you <laughs> I appreciate that I have it and I love that school but like it's not getting me in any auditions right um so it was it was the idea of doing stand-up came like I wanted to do it, like I said, but then also I was like, oh, this is also a way for me to maybe get myself out there more. Like, you know, there, even though I said it's hard to build material because there's showcase clubs here, it's also good because there are showcase clubs here. So you could get on for seven minutes if that's all you had and do a showcase when there would be a lot of people. This is back when uh, I felt like a lot more agents and stuff used to go to comedy clubs, you know? Um, so, you did have that opportunity to get in front of people and sort of stand out yourself. And that's how I got a commercial agent because there was, there was one in the audience that liked what I did. That's how I got my first manager. So it did help me sort of break down just feeling like I was just another huge lump in this big right. crowd, you know? Right, right. And uh, who were your influences? Like what, what style was your comedy? I've seen your stand up now, but when you yeah. Eight dicks is classic, I thought. Eight, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is classic. Uh, I would say, I'm like, I like storytelling. I think when I first started out, I probably had more quick jokes. And now my, my stand-up is 
Um, yeah, it's more storytelling. Like obviously, when it's cut up in from a from a special like the Eight Dicks joke, it's that's just one bit that stands alone, and that's what you. On YouTube right do. now, everybody, if anybody wants to check that out, Premium Blend. Yeah. Um, oh wait, is that no? That's for my special, I think. Um, I don't know. It's is, on YouTube um, right now. Yeah, it's on YouTube. There you go. Just put in Sarah Colonna, and that's you'd find it. But um, and it is really they, funny. Thank you. Um, it's. It's like you, it, you when you do an hour special like that, you obviously have stuff that you can cut up out of it, but then also you have that luxury of being like, oh, I tell longer stories, you know. Um, but then you have to kind of find these things that you know can turn into quick bits for the internet because um, not everyone's going to sit down and watch your whole hour special. A lot of people go to YouTube or just watch clips, you know. So um, influence-wise, I can't. I'm not sure. Like I always found Ellen to be such a funny stand-up like she her stand-up is uh if, if, i know she's not really doing it i mean, I guess oh, she did just do a new special actually yeah. but um i always liked her style hers was a little bit more quick bits probably but um uh a kathy griffin is a great storyteller uh i i don't think i have enough space in my brain to retain all the information she does when she does her, her stand-up it's like these long stories and she just is like she's so good I like her, um, yeah. yeah and I mean I love Stanhope because he was like one of the first people I got to work with um I definitely don't have the same style as him uh and I would be amazed every time he would get on stage and just these you know when I was talking about that brewing company where we all used to go it was always like we all were there to kind of do our part and then we got to watch him and he would just he was so off the cuff just coming up with stuff like like this and uh and I thought that was really cool what do, you, what do you think you learned most in uh, a lot of those open mics? Like, well, what, what's like one thing you could really take away from all those? Because uh, I'm sure some of them were like really shitty and stuff. And what yeah, some of those. I learned two things. I learned early on in open mic. I learned really early on um, that I can't drink and do stand up. Like people, <laughs> uh, there are people that do it and they do it well and and they wear it as a badge and, and the more power to them. But I was like, oh, I thought I was like, oh yeah, we all drink, we get on stage, three drinks in, you're not if you're you're not sharp, you're not sharp, you know. Um, so that was one big lesson I learned. Like, hey, this isn't partying, you're actually working. So that was a good lesson. I'm Doug Stanhope can. He can. He's a master at it. So that's why I say more <laughs> power to those that can. I'm glad I learned early on that. Uh, Nobody's going to pay to see me if I'm eight, eight drinks in. <laughs> They'd be like, what the fuck is she doing? Um, and I learned like, it's you're not everything that you think of uh, that you're like, oh my God, I said, that's my friend. That was so funny. It doesn't always translate on stage. Like there's, there's a lot more work to it than that. So you can't just sort of get up there and be like, my friend Sam funny. So I'm going to do stand up. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So I figured that out fast. And some people didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, how did it end up how did you transitioning to working with chelsea handler yeah give us all the details from going to not on chelsea and then because everybody wants to know yeah well so chelsea and i actually met in a in a like an improv class um this was she hadn't started stand-up yet i hadn't started stand-up yet we were both taking an improv class because i thought that would be a good thing to do because i was starting to get commercial auditions and i felt like oh improv is a good way to make you sharp in an audition room, you know, think on your feet. Um, and I wasn't very good at it. Like improv and stand up are so different to me. You can't, you know, playing games and being in those groups and stuff is the people that are good at it are so good at it. And then if you're like me and you're bad at it, it's painful for people <laughs> to watch. Um, and Chelsea was in there. 
What's that? What improv class was it? It was at a place, well, it was a place called um, the Comedy, it's not the, it was in Sherman Oaks um, on Ventura, and I can't remember the oh, name of it right now. Uh, oh, God. Do you know the name of it? Yeah, I think I do. Anyway, go ahead. Was oh, that that, like, White Side Theater right there? Um, and oh. then, and then I did take Groundlings for a bit, and that was super helpful. I felt like I got some some really good skills out of it. But um, what was your first impression of Chelsea when before she was famous, like as you were just doing improv with her? Well, it was so much fun because she was like, she didn't, she had just moved here. We were both 23 or 24. Uh, both of us wanted to do stand up. So we bonded pretty quickly. We both liked happy hour. We were like, oh, let's hang out. So we actually became really good friends and sort of, she was one of the people that I was doing all those open mic circuits with. Like she and I were working together um, and, and plus like really close friends. So that's how I got to know her. And then when she got her e-show, um, this is obviously cut to many years later, but, um, she got her e-show and I was still like, I had been doing here and there acting jobs. I had been doing uh, like stand up a lot more. I was finally touring, but you know, on a, on a smaller scale. Um, and then she, she got that show and she, the first year I wasn't on the panel. Like I think all of, everyone kind of thought like, oh, Chelsea has a show now we're all gonna be on the panel because at first the panel was like one comedian and it was usually a pretty big name because it was a brand new show. And then it was like a, a news, like a Us Weekly commentator and like a random star, like a Scott Bayo. Like it was the weirdest. And then I think they figured out like, no, it should be three comedians. That's, you know, what, what works. So she started basically like she gave the guy that books the comedians, all of the names of all the people she worked with uh, throughout the years. And he checked us out and they gave me a shot to be on it. And I was, it was probably my most nervous to be, uh, to do anything. Cause I was like, Oh, if I flop on my friend's show, <laughs> like <laughs> that's it. She can't. Yeah. There's no getting out of this. And also like her show was, even though it was doing well, it was still pretty new. So it's not like she could be like, no, have this person who bombed back on it. Like she could call the shots up to a certain point, you know? Um, so I was very nervous, but luckily it went really well. And they started having me as a regular panel member. And then um, after about a year of doing the panel, they asked me to start writing on the show. Um, because Ooh, I had- Were you psyched? Yeah, I was, because I was still bartending. Like I was working a lot but also still bartending. And I was, it was even getting to the point where people come in and be like, aren't you on Chelsea? And I'm like, yeah, do you want a Jack and Coke or what? <laughs> like it just, it was just getting kind of like, um, and they asked me to write and I actually went to my boss at the bartending job I had and I was like, okay, so they want me to write full time. So like, I could do like, I, can I keep Saturday shifts? And he's like, no, just go, you got a job. Nice. This is, this is the goal. He's like, please fucking leave. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, but, uh, I don't understand. Leave it. Like, I don't, it was the only thing I knew, like, no matter what, like this guy would let me, you know, go, if I got anything, he would let me go film it and let me come back to work. And I, that's the only security I knew I had in, in the entertainment, right? Like, no matter what you, even though I was about to be a full-time writer on a successful show, I was still like, but what if that goes away? I need to bartend. <laughs> and he was like, well, if, if shit hits the fan, you can come back, but you're leaving. So, um, and I'm glad that he was like, once I started working there, I was like, I don't know how I thought I would do this five days a week. And then also just like run. <laughs> yeah, it was, but it, what's that? No, if you're telling the writer, the writer's like, I got to hit the bar real quick. No, 
Yeah, I gotta go. I gotta get my shift in. I get happy hour in. Right. So, um, so yeah. So I started writing, and that was cool because they, uh, she and I have like pretty similar, like sense of humor in in some ways. So um, the good thing for me was, I would get to stay on the panel and do my own jokes, and then I would also get to write for her. So it really had sort of this cool best of both worlds where a I had a full time writing job. That I, but I didn't feel like it was taking me out of what I really wanted to do, which was on-camera stuff. So it was like I, and plus we did a bunch of sketches, and then we ended up doing a spinoff show that was like all acting called After Lately. And so we did all this stuff that I got to do both write on and perform in, and that's really what helped me get to where I got to like headline much more and and sell my own tickets and write a couple books and all that stuff. So that that show for many comedians was really pivotal. And what sort of tips did you pick up in the writer's room for people that have never been in one? Um, that, well, one thing I can say for sure is just say it. And when like, it's, it, that kind of show, cause it's like a daily thing, right? So we're, and we're live to tape. So we're taping that afternoon for it to air that night. And it is just new topics. So everything you had to do was like, was fresh and there's no time when a, when a topic comes in in the writer's room to feel scared that what you're about to say isn't funny. So it's almost like the opposite of stand-up. It's like, you know, it's like we're all riffing. And I, the first time I said something to where everyone just stared at me, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh no. Like when I first got into that writer's room, I was like, oh, oh no. And then I, and then I watched every other writer in the room do it. So you would just say stuff and either it would get no response or not get written down or whatever. And I learned to just not hold back because sometimes the things that came out off the top of your head worked really well. So you just sort of had to take the, the, the risk and not feel like not, you can't go in your office and cry if nobody likes your joke, like who cares? You, you got, you're on the show for a reason, you know? Yeah. You know, you know what I just realized <clears throat> just looking at, um, Chelsea Lately Wikipedia, that that show was created by uh, Brody Stevens or, yeah, Brody Stevens. So did you work with him? I did work with Brody. I don't- For those who don't know, like he was the guy who just committed suicide and big name at the comedy store. He, he was the regular. comics comic. Yeah. He's the best. I've known him for years. We knew him from open mics and stuff too. Um, love that guy so much. And just like the best human. It's so crappy what happens to him, but- um, uh, he was the, he was our warm up. He did the warm up at the show ah. too. He was the audience warm up, and he also, um, did panel so, a few times. It says he created it on Wikipedia. <laughs> well, um, Wikipedia? <laughs> I don't, if, if he did, I didn't know it. I mean, I think it was really created by that'd Chelsea be and That'd be weird and for Ted. the creator to be the warm up. Guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, he, I, yeah, I might have something wrong where he might have been involved in the in the, how it how it came together, but I feel like that would Wikipedia. be weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but he was amazing, and he was a big part of the show. Like I said, he did the warm up, and then he was so he was there every day, and also she put him on the panel, which obviously, again, not a lot of uh, hosts let. <laughs> everyone do what she did you know like she was cool about that stuff I mean a he's fucking hilarious so he should have been on the panel but sometimes they keep that stuff separate and in this case um all those worlds came together you know which was cool it's weird on wikipedia under if you just search chelsea lately's wikipedia page she is like this the solely credited as creator is created by brody stevens and hosted by chelsea handler 
Probably okay. <laughs> I mean, in my, there, maybe there's something I'm missing where he created like the first part of it, but because because there was like a Chelsea, like a there was a Chelsea Handler show, which was um, like her talking in front of like clips and stuff. I'm on Chelsea and, lately. Yeah. So, okay. No, I mean, it was really uh, Chelsea and, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Brody if somehow he created it and I have no idea. So let's just say he did. Yeah, just, uh -oh. you know, we'll see if Wikipedia, you know, somebody can fact check us in our audience. Where is it? Where is it on there? Oh, you didn't. I see it. Oh, I see it right there. I see it. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love that it says that. I mean, yeah. maybe. And, and right over here, if you guys see it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyways. <laughs> well, we're not going to argue it. with Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, and I want Brody to have that credit, so fuck it. Brody Stevens created it, and he was the best, so perfect. Yeah. And so, if he did, and I didn't know, then I'm a real <laughs> asshole, so by the way, so. So after, after, after writing on the show, you kind of mentioned, like, obviously, like, things started to kind of, like, pick up work-wise and things like that. Um, how did you uh, see your career change so much after writing on the show? Because obviously, acting started, a lot more acting started coming in. Can you talk, talk about that a little bit? It was totally yeah. different. There was before and after. Yeah, yeah I mean, definitely. There, well, the good thing was, like, like I said, they, it, it gave us all this platform. And for those of us that were touring and stuff, it really helped, obviously, our audiences. Because now people, A, she let us plug every night on the show that you were on. You could you could stay where you were going and a lot of people watched it. So suddenly you'd have more ticket sales than you would have otherwise. Right. Um, and the fan base of that show still is the best. Like I still have at my shows, a lot of people that started watching me from that show. So what you got to do was sort of take from that and, and, and make sure you didn't like drop the ball on, pursuing your own stuff at the same time as balancing the fact that you were working on the show. Like, especially when it started to realize it was probably going to end soon. Um, you know, I think a lot of us were like realizing we need to make sure we're creating our own projects and, um, how did you know ourselves. it was going to end? Um, you could just sort of tell it was, it was just sort it was running its course. I mean, I don't think it needed to end personally. Um, I think we missed something like that on TV right now. Um, especially since we didn't talk about politics or anything. And right now I think a lot of people would love to just watch, you know, I mean, Lights Out was doing it, but now they're gone too. But um, hopefully well, we got the view. Home. We got Whoopi. Yeah, we got the view. Yeah, that's super funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> super light, light and airy show. Uh, no yelling, no fighting. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just kind of could tell, but at the same time during it, like I wrote a book during it that um, actually was the New York Times bestseller. I hit number five on the Whoa. bestsellers list. Yeah. What's the so book? That, um, that one is called Life As I Blow It. Um, that was my <laughs> first book. And then the second book I wrote um, I came time. out right after the show ended and that was called Has Anyone Seen My Pants? So very uh, dumb titles, but that happens to help. I've learned catches people's eyes. So that's good. Those are great titles. I like that. Yeah, thank you. Um, they were and, fun to write. And then how did the, uh, the acting start kind of going from there? Because you obviously you got an unsatiable, shameless, other things like that. So was it, you think a lot of it had to do with um, the connections you made through uh, working on, a, on Chelsea? Or? I think just not really from the act, not really from the acting standpoint, but just the profile of it. Like people in the industry got to know who you were. Like with my book, my first book, I sold it um, twice actually to uh, 
Happy Madison and NBC as a, as a pilot. Um, it didn't get made as happens, but I still sold it and got to write a pilot, right? Um, and uh, so from that, obviously I was getting to know a lot more people, meeting with a lot more people. I had met with, you know, script, uh, like I had pitched to basically every um, network at that point. And so once they get to know you a little bit better and then also get you in the room for other stuff, um, then they start thinking of you for acting roles. But it's tricky to sort of, not in a bad way, uh, but it's a little tricky to, to get people to see, like right after Chelsea ended, it was hard for me to get people to see that I was like, instead of just a comedian that I could also act. So you're, you know, people yeah, kind of yeah. get in their head what you do, right? Um, so once they started getting a few more like guest star roles and stuff, um, that really, I think, helped. So on the, on the part you just said about the pitching, were you pitching one of your books? It was essentially kind of like a story, uh, like a life story by yourself or what was it that you were pitching? No, so I was pitching my book to become a script. So that's to become a TV show. So it was all based on um, that. And so I, I sold it to Happy Madison, which is Adam Sandler's company. Yeah, actually, big, I sold it. Big production. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. Um, I actually sold it. This I sold this before Chelsea ended. Um, that was actually during Still the Show. So I sold it as a scripted show um and then uh they didn't end up making it and then the next year they bought it again and took it out to nbc and nbc bought it was both times to have madison and nbc so they were um they really liked the ideas but it just you know how it is it doesn't always turn into a show <laughs> what was the premise of the show uh the first one was um because the the book was really just about me like growing up in arkansas and, and moving to california and it and just it's just stories you know um and it was the first one was kind of about that but i just don't feel like i thought it was really funny but i don't know that we had i feel like at the time people were always looking for shows set in new york and los angeles whereas i was like set something in Arkansas like this there's so many characters in this book like my high school boyfriend named Bucky and like just the the ridiculousness of you know yeah. of the way you can you can have these worlds and now I feel like people want to see shows from from smaller cities and smaller towns and stuff and so I'm like does anyone want my script now <laughs> <laughs> um, and then second time that we sold it I loved the premise it was about a like I kind of wanted to include the sports world a little bit because I've always been a big sports fan and so I was going to have this disgraced um, sports reporter basically she was like um, you know an ESPN reporter that got caught on camera doing something humiliating and um, have to move yeah. yeah and then have to move back to Arkansas and, and like cover small town sports instead okay um, so I really, it, that was a really one, a good one. And I think the script turned out really well because I feel like I knew more what I was doing. I was working with someone else, but I felt like I knew, I knew what I was doing more. And, um, and the people that bought it at NBC seemed to really love it, but it's just another one of those cases where there's only so many pilots picked up and yeah. yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of that, that Hank Azaria show. I forgot what it's called. He plays <laughs> yeah. He plays the baseball Bro game. Brockmeyer, yeah. Yes. yes. And that show yeah. is pretty funny, but it's very- It's really it's funny. Awesome premise like he gets disgraced and he gets sent down to this like horrible league um yeah yeah I love that show I feel like the second season kind of went in a weird way like I, I was confused yeah I was kind of yeah. I was like wait I, I like that first you know premise and it kind of changed but then this season right now is actually pretty good okay I haven't caught the newest one but yeah yeah too. 
Yeah, that, that's funny. That was, as soon as you were talking about that, I'm like, uh, Brockmire? Yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> with your idea. Yeah. <laughs> as you were uh, ascending the ranks in Hollywood, did you ever have to level up representation? Like you started with the guy or girl that saw you in the club or whatever. Um, um, I guess there was one point manager wise where I felt like I had to make, a, or no, it was an agent. It was a, like a comedy agent that I felt like I left in a weird way because I let my manager handle it because I didn't know that they couldn't handle it. Like I didn't really know that how it works. Now I know better that I can have a personal conversation. Um, so I kind of feel like she handled it maybe weird by just telling this person for me and then me and that person not having a conversation. Like that kind of feels weird to me. Like I should be able to talk to the person I worked with and be like, hey, I love you, but this is, you know, I'm trying to do this and this person can probably help me more right now. So I definitely had those weird moments. I've learned that you can just speak for yourself though. <laughs> okay. But how do you know when? Like when is the right time? Obviously it's different for everybody. Mm. I don't know that you ever, I don't know. I don't know if I know when. I don't even know if I would know when now if I needed to. Like I just, because um, sometimes you feel like your representation's doing everything they can. And sometimes you're like, where are you guys? And I don't, I don't ever know if it's really about leveling up or down or if it's just finding the person at that place that you feel really comfortable with or you feel like gets you across the board, you know? Got you. And how did, uh, how did Insatiable end up coming about? Wait, did you guys um, work together on that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'd be surprised if you remember me at all, but- uh, Of course I do. I mean, that was like my favorite, it was like my favorite um, scene ever. It was like my favorite episode. The whole, yeah. scene, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun though. Uh, we had a good time. <laughs> there was a lot of fake blood and- Yeah, a lot of dying. Uh, a, lot of, yeah. a lot of dying, a lot yeah. Of dying. A lot of dying. So, so how do you book Insatiable? Um, I just, uh, I, I was called in to audition for it. Um, and I remember reading the role and feeling like if this doesn't happen very often. I remember reading the role and being like, oh, this is a job I could actually get. Um, if they're open to casting someone who's not, you know, one of the top names or whatever. Uh, and it just went really well. And they had me back in. I didn't actually end up having to test for it, which was cool. They, I, they just offered it to me after my second audition, which doesn't happen a lot. So I'm not trying to say to anyone that that's how it works or that it'll ever work like that for me ever again. Um, but uh, I guess they, uh, Lauren, the creator just said to me that she just felt like I was, I was the role. Um, and, you know, thank God, I'm glad that she felt that because I thought it too when I read it, but um, luckily it worked out. So it was really just an audition. It wasn't, um, I didn't get in from any anything on the side. It was just my agents submitting me for a role that I sounded right for. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, watching the show. Um, well, first of all, you're really you're great on the show. You're really, I think you are really a really good fit for that character. Like you feel like that person. You know Thank I mean? you. Yeah. Uh, did you do a lot of preparation, like after you got the role? Like what was like? Wait, what was the role? <clears throat> um, it's uh, Angie. She's the mom, so she's basically a. Um, woman who got pregnant like as a they never really told us the age but high school was it was what it seemed like she got pregnant in high school she wanted to be a beauty queen and then that all went away when she ended up with a baby at 18 years old and or however old and um and then she has a drinking problem and we see her get sober in the series we see her 
fall off being sober in the series and then we see oh. her get sober again. Um, but no, it's good. It actually is a good, we see her get sober and we see her doing her, she's a shit mom from the beginning, but you can tell her heart's in the right place. So it's this really cool sort of in this over the top show. It's a nice storyline of seeing yeah. someone sort of struggle to do like do her best for her daughter um, when she feels like she hasn't her whole life. So I really, I liked the levels of the fact that she was also very funny and a mess and touching in some ways too. So I liked that part of it. The show, the show's interesting because it's like, you're right, there are like, like a lot of moments where it's like very broad, like there's this broad sense of the world, but then there's also like this like really dark humor. There's like a lot of dark stuff that happens in the show. Yeah, I mean, capoeira, like people dying by capoeira. Yeah, just getting, like, people getting killed left and right. And then it's just like, it, it's, it's weird because like when I first started watching the show, I was like, oh, okay, it's like this like pageant world, it's a little different. And then all of a sudden, like it gets really dark and really weird. And I'm like, man, this is a, this went a different direction than I thought it was going to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it even did when I would get the scripts, I'd be like, what? Holy shit, we're doing that? Okay, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, in the second season, I, as Johnny knows, I got to get like a, she had like fake boobs, um, which was super entertaining. Um, and then it turns out they're full of cocaine because she got <laughs> basically a, a, a botched job in Brazil and turns into a drug, drug oh. mule without her knowing it. So some real fun stuff to play. <laughs> and how has it, how's it been work for you working on the show? Like, um, how has that whole process been? Um, it was fun. It was super fun. I, I the cast is, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I know you weren't there a long time, but I feel like you probably got a vibe that the cast all got along pretty well. Um, and uh, the crew and everybody was really great. Like we all kind of, I think part of that comes from the fact that we were shooting in Atlanta. So everyone was uprooted um, and, and staying, you know, away from their families for the most part, or, um, you know, our families would are like, my husband would come visit, but he couldn't always be there. And everyone kind of was going through that stuff. So I think it made us all bond a little bit more because we didn't know anyone else in Atlanta. So it was like, if you wanted to not be by yourself every time you went out for a meal, you needed to make friends with the cast. So we all kind of like got along better, I think, because we, I mean, I think we would have gotten along anyway, but I just mean we bonded more probably uh, because we had to like hang out with each other a little bit more. Right. Did you, uh, do you ever get the itch to be in the writer's room in that show? No, honestly, no. I, th I thought, I mean, I don't, the writers were so good on that show and I'm not just blowing smoke, like they were just so good. And this, and I, every, like I said, every time I get a script, I'd be like, I don't even know if my brain could, could go to this storyline. Um, so I didn't know. And I also just really like wanted to do something where I was just on camera, where I was just acting in it. And, um, and it was, it's actually kind of nice. So it was like my first time in a while to get to just do something that maybe I didn't have to like create on my own. Not saying have to, but didn't create on my you own. Can, and got you to can just... let it go, let the yeah. writers do their job. Yeah, and then focus and like work on, you know, being a better performer for it and whatnot. In a sense. And not, get, and not getting killed off. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's like, yeah, it's, that's always the worry on that show, right? <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the thing I was wondering is, uh, do you feel like it's easier being the actor as opposed to being the writer? like on a show like that for example i don't know if either one's easy i don't know i think it's just it'd be hard to say i almost feel like it's just different i mean there's probably a lot of pressure on the there's a lot of pressure on the writers because it's the first you know first couple seasons too to to really deliver i'm sure so i would imagine they had like a, just a different type of pressure on them um 
and then at the same time there's a lot of pressure on yourself as a as a performer and an actor to to deliver the material in a believable way that when in when the whole world's a little bit over the top in the show um and to yeah not get killed off right. <laughs> my main goal was like make everyone make everyone like this performance so they don't murder you next week yeah I, I was uh when I when I did work on the show I was uh I, I had a, obviously the scene with like Debbie Ryan and stuff and uh, I know she's been acting for a long time since she was like a little kid and stuff um and I was like wondering like you know because I wasn't sure like you know meeting somebody that's been on like multiple shows as a child actor you never know how they might be on set and she was like seriously one of like the nicest people was like the coolest person was joking around like she was awesome Awesome, really awesome. So how is it working with her on the show? Because obviously you guys have a lot of scenes together. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it was, it, I was kind of nervous too because I wondered the same thing. I was like, is this going to be, you know, uh, like a Disney star that's, you know, I, did, I didn't know her, obviously. Yeah. Uh, first day I met her, I was like, oh, I love this girl. Like you said, she's, and I, I, I was, this probably seems like it shouldn't be a big deal to people that are listening, but as you guys would know, um, she was so kind to every person on set to you know just walking around greeting you know she she just acknowledged everybody and even though that seems like basic human behavior um not everyone does that <laughs> so it was just really nice to see that this girl who'd grown up in the spotlight was still really really gracious um and is and she's great she's just a really and she's a hard worker um so i i was i was pleased and we got we bonded like we're friends now and um you know it, it's 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 really cool yeah and, and she and that that was the thing you just mentioned too she was a hard worker like i could tell like she really cared you know what i mean because like i work yeah. on shows where it's like you work with certain actors and it's like they don't really care they're just like look i just got to get to these lines and just whatever and just move on so i can get to lunch or whatever the whatever the situation might be and then like when i was you know working with her at least in that moment like i could it felt like she really wanted to do well, you know what I mean? And I think sometimes it's like even rare sometimes being on those shows. Cause you guys, you know, it was a lot to shoot, you know, it was a lot to shoot. So I totally understand it, but um, it was cool to see that she still really cared about the project. Yeah. And how did, it, how did you end up getting cast on it? Just auditioning too? Just, yeah, just a self tape, just sent it in. Just, you know, it was weird because the, the self tape I sent in, I, I improv most of it because there wasn't really a lot of dialogue. And right. I just, I'm like, well, I could just say the lines, but the lines don't really say much, you know? So I kind of just improv a bunch of different things and I was like, I'll just wing it. And then somehow I ended up there. So, awesome. you know, so it was cool. I was like, well, it's a comedy. They, they might be a little more lax on like letting stuff play a little bit. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what happened. You know? Well, and also like, you, you know, to give you, to remind you to give yourself some credit too, like that a lot of times they'll, you know, for, for, roles that aren't um, super recurring, you know, where you're not doing a bunch of episodes, they'll, they'll cast locally um, to make it easier on themselves. So they cast you from LA, so. Yeah, I know, got lucky, so. Yeah, no, not got lucky, you were good, <laughs> so they cast you, so. I think still good job on them. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to ask you too, I know this is like a really random thing. I have a guilty pleasure, Bar Rescue. Oh, yes. And uh, I read online <laughs> that you were on Bar Rescue and uh, you went undercover, right? Did you go undercover with your husband? Yeah, so we did. It's funny. I did two episodes. I, um, I was obsessed with that show and I just incessantly... I'm not the only one. 
Oh my God, loved it so much. I would incessantly tweet like at John Taffer during yeah. the show, after the show. If I was at a bar where I was awake waiting too long for a drink, I'd be like, get Taffer here. Like I was obsessed. And, um, and one day he just wrote me a, a DM on Twitter and was like, do you want to come do recon on the show? And I was like, fuck nice. yeah. Like, of course I do. <laughs> so um, I did it once where I went into a bar. It was in Long Beach. Was it Long? No, this was in Orange County. And I'm I went in and so that you were on, I couldn't find it, but yeah, one I did at, it was at Orange County, like a sports bar that he was actually like had been to before and he was going back a second time. And then the one that my husband and I did the next season, we did another one together. It was this like punk bar in Long Beach and we went in undercover and did the whole like having a drink and then sending it back. And, you know, it was really entertaining. All right. So how, how much, how much of that is actually cooked? Like how much of that scene is like actually fabricated? Well, I, it's, it's funny. Cause I don't know. Like I, I'm like, they must know this is the day he's coming in. Cause there's production out there. So, right. Like I know that they shooting this, right. Yeah. Like they know, they know that, but I don't know that all the workers know like where the cameras are on them and stuff inside, like ahead of time. Okay. Um, but they know he's coming. So they're really trying to do their best, I think. And, um, you know, and so I, I think the, I think the like getting a shitty drink at a bar and, and like getting the food and that stuff sucks. That's just because that's what they are serving at the time. <laughs> like they, that's why they need him. So I don't think that stuff is fabricated. Like I don't, I mean, obviously I wasn't involved in the pre-production, so I don't know um, all the details that they're told going in or anything, but I do like the people working there seem to really just be working. They knew the show was going to happen, but they were doing the best they could. Okay, so they so they put in the cameras on an off day when nobody's there. Well, I mean, they um, have owner's permission, right, to come in and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know where they, I don't know where like where they put them up and stuff, and how much the everyone knows about that. But um. But the but producers then, aren't in your ear telling you to do certain things. Right. <clears throat> they are. Well, they're in there. They they you wear they just to tell you like okay now order this now order that um because they want, there's like certain things they know they're having problems with maybe, or the bartender's having problems with. So they'll like kind of tell you what to order. And, um, but I think that, I feel like the first time I had an earpiece and maybe the second time I didn't, because it was a little like hard because it, to have an earpiece. And then I can't remember exactly, to be honest with you, but I just remember being told like what to order, you know, or at least like order a few of these things, then order whatever else you want. Um, or, you know, order whatever drink you want, but make sure you order this food, like things like that. Like they kind of knew what they needed to be tested on, I guess. Okay. And then did you, did John come in and like start picking up the pizza and throwing it on the ground or anything like that? Or? He just came in and just started, yeah. I mean, at one point he like, the first time I did it, he came in and was like, he said, so, he was like, like looking at the smudge on the bar, like the bar was dirty. And he like, I remember he was like wiping the rag and then he like threw it at the guy. And I was like, oh, that seems... That's, that seems awful. That's ratings, um, baby. That's ratings. Yeah, but I feel like they all know. Like, I mean, I think that they know what they're in for. I'm not saying I don't. I don't necessarily think that it's um, it's not contrived. I just think they know. Like they've seen the show. Yeah. They know they're going to get yelled at, right? Like, um, but the funny thing was seeing him come in and be like lose his shit about things, and then talk to him off camera, and he's like the nicest guy. Yeah. So you know, a, it's a little bit of a put on a little bit. That part is for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, not, I, I mean, I think he means it, but I don't think he would necessarily right. choose to yell at people like always. 
um, it's part of the show, right? Yeah, like when he comes in yelling, he's like, hold on, let's do a take two on that. And then let me just try that again. So there's nothing to that. Oh, no, no, no. He just okay. goes for it. Yeah, he All just right. comes in and goes for it. Um, and then he can, and then afterwards he'll be like, oh, what do you think? You think this guy's going to, you know, let me come back in? Or what do you think, Sarah? And I'm like, I don't know. I wouldn't let you come back in. You just yelled at him, you know? Uh, <laughs> so he'll have these conversations about how do you think that went or whatever afterwards. But no, it's, yeah. it's definitely real when he walks in and starts yelling. Okay. I was just so curious because I've, I've seen so much of that show and like I was guilty pleasure anyway. It's so good. It's so entertaining. He's so good at it. And I mean, he does a good job. Like these bars actually get turned around, you know? Yeah. They've done some comedy clubs too. I know they did one in, uh, they did one in Phoenix. Yeah. With a, yeah. A factory there in Scottsdale. Yeah. I don't think it's there anymore, but they, they tried. Well, no, because they called it the Laugh Factory without asking the Laugh Factory if they right. could call it the yeah. Laugh Factory. So uh, <laughs> it got changed to, I actually know the guy, his name's Howard, Howard Hughes, um, okay. that owned it. And um, they had to just change the name back to something else. Okay. All right. So it's still there, just not, yeah. Cool. And I mean, before we get the plugs, just sort of like broader picture questions, what, looking back, do you wish you knew or you learned that you wish you could tell yourself as a young girl actress when you were first coming to uh, LA? Um, probably that it was going to be fine, that it would all work out and then it would like to be patient during the, during the struggles because there, there were times where I was like, I guess I'm just going to bartend for the rest of my life and like never have health insurance and never have money and never be okay. And, like never get to do what I want to do. Um, but it doesn't uh, work out for everybody. No, I know. So. <laughs> I don't have any advice for that. <laughs> Just have a backup plan. On that note, get your bartending license. There you get go. your bartending license. Work for that guy that let you go to auditions and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Although, will we ever go? Will we ever get to go to bars again? We don't know. That's true. We were the last generation. <laughs> Are you wearing the mask? I do when I go to the grocery store. Um, it's just like a cloth mask that I, um, uh, this woman that I know has a factory and she's making since like they, they urging people not to take surgical masks, obviously. Um, they just want you to cover your face. So she's making these cute masks out of like a bunch of material that she has, um, cause she makes purses and stuff. So I just ordered a couple from her and it was weird. It was weird to do it. I didn't do it at first until they recommended it. And then I take the recommendations that the CDC gives seriously. So, um, it feels weird. It feels weird. You feel like you're like in a, in the apocalypse or something. It just all feels strange. Yeah, it's it, it's super weird now. Like going to the grocery store and like when someone like gets close to you, you're like, whoa, dude. You know, like why are you walking so close to me? You know what I mean? I know. No, totally. Because at first I was like, no, oh, right. Let's all let's like let's not be rude to each other or whatever. But then yesterday I was there. A guy wasn't wearing a mask and he like started coughing right in the in the aisle and I fucking <laughs> ran. I like I ran like a cat. Like I That's ran so fast. Out practically of there. Like, saying the N word nowadays. Yeah, whoa. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I was like, get me out of here. So yeah. So everyone just you know abide by the rules and stay away from each other so you don't freak each other out. We don't need any extra right now. It's crazy how much has changed. It's yeah. so weird. And and fast too. You're kind of like I'm almost like people are too used to it now. Like let's let's I want I want regular stuff back. Right. Because you know how they when, have the, when it's safe, when it's safe. You know how they have the six feet apart line outside the grocery store now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Markers. Well, there was like a woman that like was like really close to me and I was like kinda like, yo, there's like a, a mark for you to stand. Like why are you so close to me? Like there's no reason to, you know what I mean? Like she has yeah. a death wish. 
Yeah. So I had to, like literally tell her, like, hey, would you mind just standing on your mark? Kind of rude. Kind of looking at me like, what's the big deal? Like, well, they're there for a reason. You know you what I mean? You should be like, hey, you're never going to be an actress if you can't hit your mark. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that'll work. That'll make everyone stand in line. Um, yeah, that part is weird. I, I had that happen to me the other day at the store. And, like, and it was like an older man who was who was wearing a mask and everything. So it was like he was aware of everything except that. And he just come, he just stood right next to me. And I was like, so I just moved back and let him have my spot. I was like, oh, oh well, I don't know. Way to do it. Yeah, but you know, well, only to an older person. Like an older man, I'm going to be like, fine, I'll just step back. But some someone my age, I'm going to be, hey, bitch, get in your mark. <laughs> get in your mark. <laughs> So um, I was going to say, uh, before you give us the last plugs, um, I know obviously everything's kind of shut down, but any upcoming potential tour dates for the stand-up? Yeah, well, I had, um, I had shows in Oklahoma City, Vegas, and New York that all got moved, and I don't have all the new dates yet, but um, the first one that gave me a new date was um, Vegas, and they gave me the end of August, like the 20th through the 23rd, so... That seems to be when they think they'll be fine <laughs> to have shows again. I'm sure they have, you know, probably before that too. But um, that's my first rescheduled one. And then after that, um, a couple of them got rescheduled for October, I know. And then I'm still waiting for some others. So I think clubs are also like shuffling between giving you dates that you would normally have in the fall and then also rescheduling people that they had to cancel just now too. So I don't, I haven't, like I haven't gotten a new date for New York and uh, hopefully it'll just be sometime before the end of the year. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, where can we all find you, our audience, if they want to follow you and stuff? Yeah, it's sarahcolona.com, um, C-O-L-O-N-N-A, and that's where my tour dates are. And then on Instagram, I'm at sarahcolona1, the number one, because someone got there before me. Um, and yeah, so, and she, I don't even think she really uses it. She's like hoarding my name. Even though, it's her, even though it's her name too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, hey, just, just have it because you're not using it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then these are my books. Has anyone, uh, has anyone seen my oh. pants? And um, uh, Life as I Blow are my books that you can get on Amazon. So, and that's all on my website too, the links to all that stuff. So, Awesome. Nice. Uh, well, thank you so much, Sarah, for taking time out of your day. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Great talking with you. Yeah, you guys too. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Thanks, Sarah. There. You too. Stay safe. Okay. Everyone wear your masks and don't stand next to Johnny. Don't stand. <laughs> I'll push you out of he the way. You didn't like it. I'll push you. <laughs> All right, guys. Take care. Right, cool. See you later. Thanks, Sarah. Bye. Bye.